Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back, everyone, to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. I'm still Jeremy Lambert. That's still Steven Jensen. And below us, the man who is the co-host of FTR with Dax Harwood. He does theme music for AEW. He hosts a bunch of different podcasts. He hosted the Gentleman Villain Podcast with William Regal. Mr. Matt Coon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to finally meet you, Steven. And it's good to see you again, Jeremy. I know you had to miss WrestleCade because of COVID. Oh. But... We had such a good time connecting there the first time, and thanks for having me on. And I'm glad we can finally make it happen. I mean, we, were, we were talking off air about this gentleman. We'll we'll bring him up on the show. Uh, our buddy Cassidy Haynes from from Body Slam, a great guy, and he connects everybody in the world of wrestling. I just did an interview with Jordan Oliver, and he talked about how he was hanging out with Cass and put him through the ringer <laughs> in, in the gym, and just talking about what a nice guy Cass is. So yes, Cass is the absolute best, and he was the one that introduced us. At absolutely uh, two years ago now at this point yeah absolutely Cass is great and when we met two years ago i was absolutely not involved in anything with wrestling i never wanted anything to do with wrestling again or any podcast and nobody gave a crap except Cass. like Cass is still my friend no matter what and so I, i'll never forget that and that wrestlecade was so fun because i got to meet you i got to see sean again and uh we hung out and had a great time and hopefully we'll do it again we, I will be there this year. Brian Danielson, my future podcast co-host. Sorry, Wait sorry, Stephen Jensen. Uh, are we going to fight over this? I'm really trying to get this Danielson podcast at some point. I don't, I don't actually think it's going to. Happen. I don't think he would do a show with like a fat meat eater, non recycler like me. Like he would, Regal, Regal on the show when I host with Regal, he would. He said, "I'm using a glass cup now because I don't want Daniel Bryan to get on me about plastic cups." So I, 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 Daniel Bryan would take one look at me and be like, no, no, not, not him. I don't think he'll do a podcast period. Just like, you know, just anybody. It could be, it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be me. I just don't think he's going to sit down and like do a podcast. He's barely on his wife's podcast as far. He'd be great though. He'd be great. Yeah. He's so, he is so good when he does pop up on the Bella's podcast. And obviously I, anytime he does any type of interview or podcast, I'm always searching for, for that headline that to use sat, the, the thumbnail. I sat in bat the same night I met cash. I got, uh, I got to be on the floor of the hall of fame at new Orleans. So I was like on the red carpet and sat there and I sat on the bus. There's a bus that transported the talent and me from the hotel to the event and back and Daniel Bryan and Bree were sitting right in front of me the entire time. I went up and talked to Dax, introduced myself, and I couldn't say a word to Daniel Bryan. I was way too intimidated. <laughs> that guy is, man, when you go down the list, people talk about uh, Mount Rushmore. He's on there. Like, he's that guy, that bridge between Cena and Roman. It was Daniel Bryan, for sure, and it should have been more, you know, considering everything worked against him. I'm with you. He's the GOAT, as you say every time. <laughs> Every time he makes his entrance, imagine thinking Brian Danielson ain't the fucking goat. Uh, Matt, let me ask you the first question here. Just how did you get started in the wrestling media landscape or the wrestling content creation landscape? It's it's great. You know, like it started because I got divorced like 10 years ago, blissfully so, but still divorced. And I had a 10 year old kid who loved wrestling. I loved wrestling. So I'm saying, man, I'm going to take this fucking kid to WrestleManias. Like, what's going to stop me? Nothing. So we started going to WrestleManias. We went to WrestleCades. We started doing all this stuff. And one day I turned to him and I said, you know, I want to do something in wrestling one day. And he goes, what? I go, I don't know. And then this show came on. This podcast came on called Something to Wrestle With. And man, it was something else. It was funny. It was combative. It was just something else. And I wrote the guy who hosted it, Conrad Thompson, to go, hey, if you need help with research, I'd be glad to do that. I thought that would be my thing. It sounded like a fun thing to do. And before I knew it, I sent him a song. Before I knew it, I was on a call with Bruce and Conrad. Can you make us a theme song? And I knew that was my opportunity. I knew that was it. Like, because I make music and I, I spent just 
I, I don't even want to say hundreds of hours on that theme song, something to wrestle with, got in the circle a little bit. And then Conrad started putting me up for podcasts. He, he, I think it was some podcast he just didn't want to do. And he said, Oh, I got a guy, you know? And so I became friends with Conrad. I started doing pretty much any podcast that would have me. I learned on the job, no radio experience, no public speaking experience, learning on the job with Johnny Fairplay and Terry Runnels and Dutch Mantel and Medusa and all these podcasts I did. And then finally caught on a little bit with Robbie E. We did a song called, or a podcast called Why It Ended. And so as this is going on, I'm still making music. You know, I'm still really, I love making music. So I got to make some music for some podcasts and then, you know, other opportunities came their way, but that's pretty much how I got into it. Mainly a DM from me to Conrad Thompson. So kind of like bridging all that together. So you obviously had to have been a, a really big fan to, to like have the knowledge to be able to do these kind of shows and that, have that, to have the confidence to like put you in those kind of positions. And I know you said you didn't have like any kind of formal like radio experience, but was it something you always kind of had in mind with your music background that you wanted to do something in radio? And, and I guess, are you just a massive wrestling fan, like lifelong to the point where you just love it so much, you just got involved and the next thing you know, like, do they like your voice? Do they like your research? Like it had to have been more than them just giving you an opportunity. You know what I mean? It was more the second where my whole life, people are like, you should do radio. You've got this voice. And I do have a voice. Like I do have this deep voice that, sounds good on the air and and but i've never had I, I was a stutterer until i was 23 like i couldn't even, i could barely talk you know and so the thought of doing a podcast i guess i i've been a lifelong fan i'm a nerd i'm a wrestling nerd i was a secret fan for so long the last five years i've gotten to not hide that i like wrestling because i make money in it so it's not as shameful anymore Absolutely. but for years especially you know i'm 50 years old so in the 30s, when I was in my 20s and 30s and married and doing all that, I was still watching, but very secretively. I bought the DVDs, didn't have any wrestling friends. And when this opportunity came, it was, I think it was about that I, I worked hard. I was passionate and I did extra and I did extra. Same thing we've all done. You find a guy like Conrad, or I found a guy like Victor Wooten, who's a great musician, and I'm just going to volunteer my time, volunteer my time, volunteer my time. Not to really get in because I loved it. It's definitely, I mean, hard work, especially in, in this line when it comes to wrestling, just will get you everywhere. And then the people who, you know, for whatever reason, decide it's not for them or they, they come down from it, they, they don't get those opportunities. But yeah, just, it is funny how anybody can can get wherever when you just said it was a message to Conrad, hey, I'll research. And then it just ballooned from there and turned into various podcasts now you you did mention you know when we met at wrestlecade you said i'm like ah, i'm just kind of i'm done with, with everything like what what happened between of hey i'm doing all these podcasts and then right now i'm just kind of kind of done here there was definitely a falling out um with me and conrad there was definitely a falling out and it had to do with a third party a third person who still works with him who um did something awful and terrible to me and i took it on the chin and I, Conrad is the most brilliant person in the world. Like he's literally probably 170 IQ genius. He is the smartest person I've ever met. So I was mad at him because I knew he could have figured it out. So I didn't even say anything. I didn't say anything to you when I met you. I just said, I'm not doing it. Didn't say anything to anybody. Eventually Conrad figured it out and he really pursued the friendship like hard. He really pursued the friendship again, not working again, but the friendship. And so I was open to that after, and I, he had to fight for it. Cause I was just like, bro, I'm done. Cause that's me. But Conrad's a good guy. He's a good person. And when he realized what happened, he did all he could on a friendship point to, to make it right. But I told him, I said, Conrad, I'm never going to work with you again because I can't, you know, that it was a really bad situation where my trust was betrayed and treated badly. And I feel like people should have had my side who didn't. But I said, I'm never working with you again, but I'll be your friend, of course, because he was so consistently beautiful about this. And in our friendship, Conrad has done a lot for me. Like, there's no disputing what kind of person he was. But business is business, and I treat a little differently than he does. But I said, I'm never working with you again. He's like, okay, sure. And Conrad, I sent him a text about Regal, because Regal was on AEW. I go, 
bro, your podcast with Regal is going to be awesome. He's like, do you want it? I'm like, I'm not producing anymore, dude. I'm done. I'm not doing this. He's like, no, do you want to host it? And I'm like, that motherfucker, look at him. <laughs> he got me. Because it was like, before I knew it, I was like, yeah, sure. This is great. Let's do this and let's do that. And I was back in. And I think he knew I'd do a good job. But I really think it was an extension of our friendship. And I'm grateful for the friendship of Conrad. He's one of my best friends for sure in the world. But there was a falling out. That is the long story of the falling out and the third party. And um, I'm glad that's behind us now. What What's it like being a lifelong fan, like a big wrestling nerd? Like, like so many people, like me and Jeremy, like people that watch this, is very relatable. What's it like when you know, okay, I'm working with a legend like Mr. Regal and like, how do you, do you have to compartmentalize like your fandom when it comes to that to like try to be like a professional broadcaster or is it like, I mean, what, what's just the overall experience? Cause that, that's just, that's just such an amazing person to be able to, to pick, pick their brain for the world to, to see. It took some getting used to like it is, you have to fight that. Like I've never met Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if I met him, you know, what you have to do, you have to play it cool. You know, my son has been around this a, lo a, lo a bigger portion of his life than I have because we were involved in StarCast. Math Matthew played the business bear at StarCast. Like, he did signings with Cody as the business bear. Like, and we're talking about a 14-year-old at the time who's obsessed with the elite. Like, and we were backstage at the Hall of Fame. Shane McMahon comes up. And this is a good example. You know, I, I'm standing there going, oh, nice to meet you. And Matthew goes, hey, are those the Jordans you're going to wear tomorrow? And Shane's like, oh, no, not these Jords. The other, and he immediately locked on. And I'm like, I need to learn less from my kid here. You play it cool. You talk about things they like. And you have to compartmentalize because the easiest thing is for a wrestler to label you as a mark. They might not yeah. say it out loud, but they believe it. You know, they, oh, it's just one of those guys. You know, so I, I don't know if I ever crossed that. I don't know if Regal ever took me but anything but a mark just because he's so guarded. But you have to play it cool. Because I've been in so many, like, dude, like, Tully Blanchard came out to my theme song. I watched Tully Blanchard when I was a kid. Like, there's so many great experiences. I hung out with Lex Luger an entire day. Like, these are things that are insane. And I never lose it. And it's these moments that Conrad and I have had where we look to each other and we go, this is pretty fucking cool, right? And he goes, yeah, this is really fucking cool. And then we have to go back and play it cool, you know? And especially in his circle... And people that maybe he knows and related to that you're hanging out a bit, you can't just be like, "Ooh, I loved you in this," or "Ooh, I loved you in that," because that's the last thing these poor people want to hear. These poor people just want to be treated like people, you know. So it it absolutely was an adjustment. It did not come naturally to me at all. And I've had my shameful, cringy mark out moments where I feel regretful of it, you know. But you have to learn, you know. It takes time. Sure. Well, and how long would you say, um, and this, it might be the same for your current show with Dax as well, but um, for a show, especially with, for uh, uh, someone, with someone like Regal, who has such a long history in wrestling, especially, how much research would you say you put in a week for one episode of that show? It's a good question. When I came on with Conrad, again, I go, I'm not doing anything. I'm hosting. And he had this whole system in place where like I had a researcher and I had a, a, a camera guy who ran StreamYard, you know, and did everything. It was great. But then eventually we're like, well, we want the show to make a little bit more money. So we had to restructure that a little bit. So I went back to doing research. I did research. I worked with Russo, Vince Russo. I did research for those shows. I would say I spent about two or three hours on every DAC show doing research. And the last few Regal shows the same. You know, you got to understand, I don't want to keep, you know, kissing this guy's butt because screw him. But Conrad <laughs> invented this way of doing podcasting. And part of it is the undercurrent of research. And now there's people that do the Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Research, but I've seen him do it. And the way he can cut and paste an observer thing, like boom, 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 boom. 
what's interesting, what's not. Put it in a form. It's, and also, he's got radio experience, so he doesn't need to do bullet points. I do bullet points for myself. I also try to send one to Dax if I do it in soon enough time. So he can, I can be like, can we talk about this? And everything. He's like, let's talk about everything. But I try to do it in a way where, you know, I guess I'm good on my feet, but I don't want to have to be. So I try to research as much as I can because I will trip up on my words and I will get, I will fumble. But there's a lot of research that goes into it. And the practice I put in on my previous podcast helped so much, even though we didn't have success. Because now I, I, man, for every hour I'm on air, there's probably about 10 hours that I'm working on, on a show. The, the Regal podcast, I remember when I, when I first listened to it, Regal can be very tough because he'll give you something, but, and, and he admits this on the show of like, you got to keep him on track because he will go all over the place with stories. And I want to credit you because you did a very good job of like keeping him on track and bringing him back around to, to what the, the story was. And Dax is different in that he will stay on track. He will hammer that point. And then you guys have a little bit more like a free flowing conversation. I feel like, what do you think the biggest differences are when it comes to the Regal podcast and the Dax podcast? Could it be different? You know, couldn't it be more different? Regal is the hardest person in the world to do a podcast with. Mr. Regal, let me say that. Respect, like the guy, respect what he's done. But our first show, I met him the day of our first show on Zoom, like this. Okay? So we had the research. It's your, you know, Conrad format research where it's like Meltzer said this. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not talking about what Meltzer said. Okay. Um, what about this? He's like, well, I'm not going to talk about what anybody thought or felt either. Okay, and I'm not going to give my opinions on other people either. Okay, so I just, man, it was like, it was the hardest job ever. But from playing music and from teaching music, the example I knew was, I'm going to get better at this. This Regal thing is going to make me much better at my job at this podcast. And it really did. And Regal just didn't reveal anything, didn't want to talk crap about anybody, didn't want to react to Meltzer. So what are we going to talk about? Regal. And so I, I leaned in on the on the stories and let him talk and try to get him back on track. Now, Dax, Dax is the best podcast partner I've ever had in my life. Dax hits me with ideas. I'll tell you a Dax story. We did our second show on the Briscoe matches, a trio, an overview. This is our second show. And he writes me back. He's like, do you want to redo this? Or he texts me, do you want to redo this section? I go, uh, yeah, we can do that. And then we go back and forth. He's like, do you just want to re-record the whole episode? And I was like, I love that on principle, buddy. Like the fact that this guy, this professional wrestler, wasn't like, I'll show up at two o'clock, I'll answer questions and I'm gone. He's engaged in every aspect of it. He's thrilled we're doing great. He's uh, engaged in everything. Like today we're coming up with a URL to direct people to the t-shirts. He wants to be involved in that stuff. As opposed to other people, people that you know and names you know that just show up. So Dax is the best. Also, conversationally, he's much more, you know, he's much more forthcoming than just about any other co podcast host in the world. So it's night and day from Regal, but Regal's, I, this podcast would not be as good if I didn't work with William Regal, 100%. Do you have any, um, any favorite? I guess conversation or or story from the time with uh, with Mr. Regal. Yeah, I definitely loved the stuff about the the in ring stuff. Like, there's a part of it where he talked about pins, where he talked about how pins are important and how when somebody's pinning somebody, unless it's like a knockout, you should be making sure you have them down. You should hook the leg and press the other shoulder down. John Moxley does it every time. John Moxley always grabs a wrist and puts it down. And you see these lazy pins. I don't call them lazy. I'm not a wrestler, but Regal would call them lazy. Um, and so that's one example. He also talked about magic fingers. Magic fingers is when a wrestler touches somebody's head and they magically stand up, right? And so right. instead of grabbing their hair, he just magic fingers. He didn't like that. He wanted everything to look real, but he gave specific examples. He also showed me that your thumbs need to be parallel when you're doing a wrist lock, parallel on a wrist lock to get the pressure on. 
like that stuff was really important to him. So now when I watch wrestling, there are many things on a technical level that I noticed that I never did before. And uh, Regal's very passionate about what he believes is right and wrong in wrestling and the way things should be done. And also, though, accepting of things that work. Like he didn't mind Orange Cassidy. But he also hated magic fingers and hated lazy pins. For for him, was it more so the idea that someone like Orange Cassidy is so over that clearly what he's doing is working, so there's a little bit more wiggle room with that kind of stuff? It, it, it goes in contrast to, like, say, a Jim Cornette. This isn't what I grew up with, so screw it. I hate it. Uh, Regal is more like, a, if it works, it works. You know, he is, and Dax is the same way, talking about the Young Bucks. You know, he's like, hey, I can't do that shit. But when they do it, People seem to like it, so I'm for it, you know? And that's the same way with Orange Cassidy and, and Regal. He gets the idea. They get the idea that the most important thing in wrestling is connecting to fans and getting over, as opposed to sticking to tradition in the face of possible opposing logic. Gotcha. Uh, also, really quick, I also wanted to mention, um, as we're going back and forth between Dax and Mr. Regal here, I saw today, it was all over my Twitter timeline, the the quote from Dax, from y'all, about the 1A and 1B Young Bucks, uh, FTR, kind of their mindset going into AEW, uh, or back in 2021, those conversations with Tony Khan. What's it like for you as a fan and professionally, um, what's the kind of feeling you get when you see your work so heavily a part of the conversation on social media? Like, is it something that you like, you really enjoy that it's out there or is it something you get nervous about? Cause you're like, Oh, here comes, here comes all the opinions or like, how do you feel about when like you kind of break news in the wrestling space? If I'm being honest, I would characterize it as pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I love it because I'm trying to promote a podcast, but at the same time, even when I worked with Conrad, you know, I produced something to wrestle with and what happened when I would call Conrad and I would say, Hey man, do you want this on the air? He's like, what did I say? I'm like, you said this. He's like, better cut it out. So I'm not trying to hurt my podcast host, but I also am not beyond exploiting every bit I can to promote in the most competitive podcast segment possible, the wrestling podcast. I love being part of the conversation because it helps promote the podcast. Uh, I am a little scared, not really scared anymore because the people who hate me hate me and it's fine. But the heat aspect of it, you know, like there is a segment of people who hate that Dax has a podcast, wrestlers and people in the business. And it's not because of what he says, it's because of the subjects he talks about. And, you know, you're not supposed to talk about this. You're not supposed to talk about that. Not so much the words, but more the subjects. And the fact that I'm the guy sitting there prodding him and pushing him and asking questions, I don't, I think sometimes I get heat for that but i will say i have heard from many many wrestlers and i wish they would freaking tweet about it about how much they love the show and so i hear from at least one oh my god wrestler a week um you know i happen to know let's say two out of the last five royal rumble winners like the show and listen to the show you know and and um you know that's uh there's a, I guess, a world champion of the last couple of years hates the show. And so it's a really interesting thing to um, to see that social media. But honestly, I do love it and I do want it because, dude, there's 5,000 podcasts out there and yeah. we want to be part of that conversation. And if we're not, there's good podcasts like Elvis Podcast with Matt Hardy is great. But you have to become part of the conversation and get yourself out there and find that that's a big part of it is becoming part of that conversation. I always appreciate that you send these, send me these podcasts early because I, I, I know you, you uh, appreciate that Fightful does the article. We get picked up by a lot of stuff and we try to get it out there and like, Hey, this is where you can listen to it when it goes live. Here's an early sampling of, of everything out there. It helps us. I feel it's helped you. The CM Punk thing was, I thought like, a monster when, when we posted everything that Dax said about that. And of course, everybody's linking back to us and then everybody's linking to the podcast and everything. It was like, Hey, this is a, this is a nice partnership here. Uh, but I I've told you this and I was going to praise you. I've praised you in the DMS. I'll praise you here on air. 
the Dax podcast is one of just my favorite listens. If I wasn't writing uh, a million articles a day, listening to a million podcasts a day, I would listen to the Dax podcast because the conversation is so good. And because he is so insightful and he's not afraid to talk about stuff. And I think that is a big thing, especially with wrestlers who are in the position he's in. They will be very afraid to to just they'll dance around certain topics and everything. And Dax is he's very honest. He will he will he will catch himself in saying like I felt this way. This is how I felt. I understand. It, it's uh, by the time everybody listens to this, the podcast will be out. When he's talking about the Young Bucks, he's like, "This is how I felt with everything." Like I don't know how they felt. If they felt this way, I completely get it. He does a very good job of like putting it that way. Of like these are my feelings, but he's very honest with that stuff. And you don't find that in a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the interviews. And I know that's a good job on you to ask him these questions. And it just shows the kind of person he is of like, I'm willing to do this no matter what kind of the maybe repercussions might be. Yeah. And, and if this podcast is out by the time our part that Dax, the young bucks Dax podcast is out, it's, I think the biggest surprise is what you found out is Dax just put the blame on himself for the whole damn thing. Yeah. And it was, and I talked to him about it afterwards. I go, Dax, it doesn't feel like that's who you are. It feels like it's who you want to be. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I want to be the kind of person who can just say, this is my fault. It's under my control to figure out how I feel. And that's the beautiful thing about the episode is people are going to tune in thinking Dax is going to beat the crap out of the Young Bucks. And instead, he's going to be understanding their positions. As far as uh, what you said earlier about giving you, Fightful's great. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp, you know, um, when I worked with Russo, I had friends who were in the wrestling uh, journalism business. As soon as I worked with Russo, they were no longer my friends, even though I had the right intentions. All the older guys, some, one of them was my oldest friend in wrestling, Bruce Mitchell. Um, No longer my friend, gone. But Sapp, Ryan Satin, Bix were all super fair. Like, super, like, let me look at this and observe it. And Sap in particular, and I'll never forget uh, for, forget that. But the Punk episode, it was a monster. It was huge. It went bonkers. And I have to give credit to Conrad Thompson. I'll tell you why. Because we knew we had an episode coming out. And I go, bro, should we do January 5th? Because this is the last day of the quarter. We're not getting any ads. So why are we doing the show? Because that's how Conrad thinks, right? Why are we doing the show if we don't have ads? And he goes, bro, listen, nothing's happening that week. You guys are going to have all the conversation around you guys that week because there's no news the last week of December. And I go, okay. <laughs> and bro, that, I mean, it was, it was incredible the amount of, just because nothing else happened. Nothing else happened that week and there's no news to happen. So the CM Punk episode is just was a monster that launched a podcast. We'll be able to eat off that episode forever, probably. That that's piece of the genius of Conrad that you're talking about to have the foresight to be like, listen, you think that this doesn't make sense? No one else is thinking about this. This is when we drop the episode because just watch. I mean, that's that's so valuable to have something like that, uh, that that kind of resource. And he's always been like that for me. When I started podcasting, I'd send him clips. I'd be like, what do you think? He's like. Get on top of your voice more. Stop reading because you're not good at reading. You know, he's gives me really specific feedback from a friend level. And also, I listen. You know, when I'm around someone who's good, I listen. And I will say that advice has paid off a lot. And that particular moment, I would have never thought that in a million years. Let's go out a week early. Forget the ads. But damn, dude, that it worked out. And it is smart because January 4th is Wrestle Kingdom as we could not have predicted what was going to happen January 5th and 6th with Vince McMahon coming back and everything. And then the sale rumors and whatnot, but you knew at the very least January 4th was wrestle kingdom and you knew the, the Sasha rumors and everything there that she was going to show up. But yeah, that last week of December, it's usually pretty quiet because the post Christmas break pre uh, new year and everything. So, Hey, that, that was a good call. And then again, I appreciate that you sent it to me and you're like, go for it, whatever you need to run. Like, it's all on, it's all you. And then it, I know it helped us out a lot as well. So, and I, I always say this, a lot of people think that uh, when I transcribe these interviews and stuff, the, the podcasters or the interviewers are like mad at me or more the people 
the fans and stuff get mad at me because they're like, oh, you're taking the work of somebody else. This is not your work. Mostly you guys, you will send it to me. I had another person message me this week. They just send me stuff I'm like, hey, thanks. This helps us out. We all work together here. There, there's not a rivalry between transcribers and podcasters that I think uh, people might think there is. I've, I've had multiple, I've done multiple audio interviews with independent wrestlers at just like local shows. And we always put the, the audio up on either select or wherever it winds up on, on the Fightful platforms. But to Jeremy's point, I can't tell you how often they tell me they're like, don't really care where the audio heads. Like if we get some articles, like we really could use like just some, something written about us. And it's like, you know, so it's so valuable having both of that. And I think fans, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like fans don't understand that. Well, not that they don't understand, but maybe they don't think like that. Um, anyone who would complain about that. It, I think it's equally valuable to have the written out there with like the big, the headlines and the, the big thumbnail image and stuff. And it gets people interested. Then it directs you right over to the show. Yeah, it's been like two or three years since I've done a wrestling podcast and things have changed so much. So I'm like, wait a second. They'll transcribe it for me and put it in an article for me? (laughs) Because the way it used to be is I had this mailing list. Like Meltzer, Nick Houseman, blah, 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 everybody, Sap, everybody. And I would write bullet points and I would have, here's a quote from the show. And hopefully someone picks it up. These podcasters now don't know how good they have it. You got a guy like Jeremy, who's literally transcribing us, putting out press releases for us. Like, that's how they should look at it, because it is such a beneficial thing to all of us, you know? And that's why you're always like, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. And you're like, no, thank you. And I'm like, no, thank you. Because this used to be work, and now it's taken out of my hands. Because it it also shows why Fightful is leading kind of the the wrestling industry right now, or the wrestling journalism industry right now. Because you guys do the work. You're not resting on laurels. You're putting those hours, and it's paying off. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, the sir. biggest yeah. Cody fan in the world, right here. I love, Steven I love Cody Rhodes. I'm so happy with what I saw last night. I'm, I, I have confidence they are going to go all the way with him here. So I'm. I'm that's what I'm. I about. love Cody Rhodes uh, professionally, and I love Cody Rhodes personally. Cody Rhodes, he is. Have you met him? Uh, so yeah, I so I actually went to high school with him back in the day. We were on the wow. same uh, wrestling team in uh, at Alasador in Atlanta. So I have this this unique perspective of like seeing his his high school wrestling career like through OBW and like everything like since I'm uh, yeah massive massive fan. So I'm uh, very heavily invested. I have about two decades worth of investment on seeing WrestleMania go his right. way. So um, but yeah, but no, yeah, absolutely. I I, I unfortunately don't have like constant communication with him currently but whenever i get the chance to see him he's honestly yeah he's a he's a he's a great guy so i'm, I'm glad all the success that he's having well it's not like we're buddies or anything but we know he knows who i am we know each other and the funny thing about cody is cody is the guy who is most like his on-air character there is no difference between i mean same suit same yeah. look on his face the way he talks about things and how proper he is and how professional he is he's that guy all the time and he never takes a break off for being Cody Rhodes. I love that about him. And the journey he's been on, I am just thrilled for him. And I think he deserves every damn bit of it. And I hope he gets as big as a Sami Zayn fan I am. I hope he gets all of it. Well, that was my next question. Because this is this is actually a question we can kind of ask some of our um, some of our guests leading up to WrestleMania. Because it is a big conversation. If it was up to you, would you go with Sami Zayn winning the title off of Roman Reigns? Or would you have Cody Rhodes do it? At this point in time, I'd go with Cody. There was a point in time I liked the idea of Sammy getting an injury angle and sitting WrestleMania out and Sammy getting the SummerSlam main event. You know, I like that idea at first. But now they've gone this far, you got to go with Cody because, first of all, Cody's story is still great. And Sammy's story, while it burned really hot, it might fade as, as, uh, as quicker as a result. But I think the answer is, Cody's got to get really involved in the Sammy thing. You know, Cody's got to be the white knight to Sammy. He's got to rescue Sammy. He's got to put Sammy on your shoulders. He's got to say, Sammy deserves this shot, but I've got it. I know you guys are with him, but please come with me. Because Cody can pull that shit off. Um, Cody is the guy, and I believe people in WWE, I believe people in the TV industry believe Cody's the guy. And that's important. You know, that's why Kofi lost the title so quick. Because... They wanted Brock to have the title. 
And I believe if, if Roman's going to take some time off or Roman's not going to be around forever or Roman doesn't need the title, it's got to be Cody. And I love Sami Zayn. Five years ago, six years ago, I'm talking shit on all these wrestlers in front of Conrad. Conrad goes, who do you like, Coon? And I'm like, oh, whatever I say, I'm dead, right? And Matthew goes, he likes Sami Zayn. And Conrad goes, Sami Zayn? So now I have, I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan. But I think him as champion is miscast. There's no reason he needs it. This elimination chamber should be the big moment. Montreal, everything. And then they'll figure it out for WrestleMania. Probably Usos versus them. Jay does the real turn, the delayed turn. And then they do it. But Cody's the guy. Like, it's Cody. Look at him. Like, look what he did last night. Cody, Cody's, Cody's going to take, he's going to take it. It's his, and he's going to take it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And, I, and I'm also with you on the idea of, and I think this is going to kind of prevent the fans from potentially turning on Cody, is the idea of it's Cody. The the bigger story is Cody, Owens, and Zayn are taking out the bloodline collectively. Like like Owens and Zayn get the tag titles off of them. Cody gets the world titles off of Roman. And then we kind of have like a new landscape going forward for the WWE Um so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's, that's how things play out um, as well. Jeremy, I think, is a little bit different. I think Jeremy wants to see Sami Zayn win this thing at Elimination Chamber. Are you, is, that, is that still where you're at, Jeremy? Oh, Jeremy's a troll and wants whatever is going to uh, make for good banter on our show, <laughs> Steven Jensen. Fair, um, enough. Fair enough. I do think, look, man, that pop that, that Sammy got when he attacked Roman, like, sometimes you just no, got to... Yeah. You got to pull the trigger on this stuff. And he's so hot right now. I get the the point of he is very hot right now. What's the story afterwards? Cody has always been the long-term play. I totally get all that. I feel like it's tough to just miss that moment of Sammy winning that title in Montreal and instead having him lose that match. Kevin will probably save him after. That'll be the big pop. But man, him winning that title in Montreal just feels like such a moment that you need to capture. But then you lose, like, what do you do at WrestleMania then if Sammy wins? And that that's and that's the issue is, like, where do you go from WrestleMania? Well, I think you just do Cody and Sammy at WrestleMania. I understand in the story, it might not be as great. You got 800 writers. You got your Reddit gift back, skip booking. Figure out the story when it comes to that. Uh, but Sammy, that moment, sometimes you got to make that moment. And, but I get it, especially because I don't think this is a situation where and people who are listening to this now have probably just heard Steven Jensen and I talk about this for half an hour on our show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think this is a situation where people are going to turn against Cody. Ain't, you ain't turning against Cody. That man is so over and so beloved by the audience that it's not going to be like, oh, we want Sammy. We nah, Sammy will unfortunately lose at Elimination Chamber. And then the next night on Raw, Cody will say something or do something and be like, Let's go, Cody. Let's get into WrestleMania. We're all we're all in on Cody. Well, they kind of alluded to it last night, like Cody, like getting them to chant for Sammy. Like he's not avoiding it, so that it's not gonna. He's like getting out ahead of it. It feels like, yeah. He's so really I love, smart. Like, I do love Cody. <laughs> here's the thing: is that you know, if Cody, or if Sammy wins, you could go Sammy versus Cody on Saturday. This babyface. You know, battle for the ages. Cody wins, handshakes, but he's got to take on Roman on Sunday. Like, Cody two times works for me. Roman two times doesn't. And people compare to Daniel Bryan. And the difference between Daniel Bryan and Sammy is that there was no Cody Rhodes at all during the Daniel Bryan thing. It was Dave Batista who people were waiting to hate. People were yeah. waiting for this to turn on this guy. So it's a, they're not going to turn on Cody. And if they do, I have faith in him to turn it around. Like, Cody's a dude. Yeah. He's going to put himself through a flaming table again to turn. Oh, is there live in Atlanta, dude? Great moment that, with man. Andrade. Yeah, I got to see him Bless do that. that live and the cage, uh, the moonsault on Wardlow. Got got a couple good AEW Cody Rhodes moments. While, while I referenced was. both of those in uh, the Dax podcast this week about, about him putting over the younger talent. Wardlow in the cage, setting himself on fire. Darby, Sammy. Yep. Like, dude, the guy just gave and gave and gave. Like, you can't have any issues with how he was in AEW, at least, I don't know, behind the scenes, but front of the scenes, he was awesome. And he made, he set himself on fire, like for real, you know, like it's, it's insane. Yeah. Well, I Matt, do, I do like, love, 
I was just gonna say, Matt. Just so you know, I already liked you based on knowing you through Twitter. I I like you way, way, way more even now. So I really, I really agree with everything you're saying about Cody right now. I really appreciate Cody it. Rhodes uniting everyone as usual. Well, I had to live through the standing up for this guy when the entire AEW audience was booing him. You know what I mean? So it's like it's good. It's refreshing to see people that are like like fans now and like getting behind him for this. And that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm excited for it. So circling back to the, the Dax podcast that just released, uh, what I did love about this one is it wasn't just focused on, Hey, let's talk about FTR young, but you guys reviewed like the, the whole full gear card and talked about everything, all the matches from there. And like, what were your thoughts on this? What was going on at this time? And again, Dax to his credit, very honest about you know, his thoughts and, and how he was thinking. I love when he was talking about Orange Cassidy and like, yeah, I can get why, you know, some people might not like it. And, uh, you know, at first I was kind of weary, but like, then you understand what he's actually doing. Like, you can't say he's, he can't work. Like, you just can't say that. And once you get it, you get it. But I love that he, again, unafraid to just kind of talk about his peers in that manner. We, we brainstorm a lot about the shows and about the subjects. And so it was, he wanted to do all of full gear because he didn't want to just be like, we're talking about the young bucks. Like he didn't want it to look like we were exploiting that situation, especially to them. Right. Especially to Tony Khan. We were like, Oh, we're just stirring shit up to get downloads. You know, we're telling the story that took place in this wider story. So that gave us what one might call plausible deniability. But at the same time, it also gave us opportunity to talk about these other things because we're hopefully going to have a podcast for a long time. And if we do, we're eventually going to have to talk about pay-per-views that Dax wasn't in. And people are going to be interested in his insight. So let's go for it. And as you see, this is a, you know, Dax is a Conrad listener. He's he's a guy who listens to what happened when, and, and so he gets it. He First time I said Blue Chew, he just was so happy. I've never seen <laughs> a happier oh. guy in the world. The, the ad read that, that you guys are doing with Blue Chew and then his daughter comes in and all <laughs> this is one of the greatest moments in podcast history. I, I think it was the, the dog collar episode uh, that you guys did. But I forget which one was, it was, but my God, it was because it was really bad because he brought his wife in and she figured out yeah. what's going on. He's like, put on this Blue Chew <laughs> and she's like, stop. And I'm already laughing. And then all of a sudden I hear Dax go, oh, my God. And Finley's standing, like, right there. And I'm like, oh, that's it. That's it. Shut it down. The daughter, that little girl walking on the Bluetooth commercial. There's no coming back from that. No, it was so hilarious, though. And I'm like, oh, they're going to cut this from the, from the final thing. And then I listened to make sure it was there. It's like, oh, no, it's there. Let's go. It was so good. It was so good. That's the key. Another thing I've learned about podcasting, you have to keep those real moments in, right? Like there was a moment when we talked about Jay Briscoe, there was a moment where we had to kind of transition the show. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And I'm like, you want to take a drink? He's like, yeah, let's take a drink. And I listen to back, listen back. And I, I think I said something like, I'm going to edit this out. And I listen back. I'm like, let's keep that in. That's real. You know, that's a real thing. And I think the audience appreciates the honesty. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, um, when it comes to when it comes to making music, to circle back to this, you you have said, you know the FTR song that you all like and enjoy. I'm the guy that made the FTR song before that, but still very cool that FTR, Tully Blanchard, are walking out to a song that you did. It is. It is, and you know I want to hate Mikey Ruckus, like I really do. Mikey <laughs> Ruckus is in my same zip code, has played in bands with guys that I've played in bands with. Never met him, but we're in the same circle. And so I want to hate the guy and out of pure professional jealousy, but he's the nicest human being and also very talented, did a great job. Tony Khan hated my song. A lot of people didn't like the song. I made some choices. I went for it. I swung for the fences, and I'm okay with that. But it is disappointing that a song replaced it that is just beloved, like no wrestling song ever. It's like I'm the Pete Best of wrestling podcasts. You know, like I was replaced by something beloved by everybody. It still stings a little bit, but not like some, something did something wrong, but that I didn't deliver something that was beloved as that. Now, my song never got a chance in front of an audience. It was built to get these yas going with the audience, you know, 
it never did that. But man, I made a good amount of money off of that. And I got a lot of exposure on that. And I got Tully Blanchard coming out with that. I cannot be disappointed at all. And I can't thank Tony Khan enough for allowing it. I can't thank Mikey Ruckus enough for being so cool. He gave me the heads up and was so sensitive about it, so cool about it. I love the new song. I wish it was my song, but I still have a Deanna Perrazzo song, and I believe I still have Steve Macklin's song, an impact. And I don't know if I'll be making songs in the future. I'm not sure. I, I stopped doing it, um, but I might go back to it. Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see. But it, uh, music is what I do. I'm in my music school. I taught a drum lesson, a bass lesson, a vocal lesson, and a guitar lesson a day, hour-long lessons. So music's all I do. And I love music, but um, man, it's it's uh, it's hard to compete with something that you love so much, you know. Yeah, but I was gonna ask real quick about how long. I'm sure it varies, but about how long would you say it takes you to to like from start to finish to uh, like the full process of of making a theme song for for a wrestler? It is. It does vary, but I guess I would maybe a hundred hours. You know, oh, like. Wow. I put in time, man. I put in time. I don't have a great studio. Like, it's in my family room, really. I have good software, decent guitars and decent amps, but I don't really have a studio setting where you can get great sounds out of. So I have to work really hard on that. Deanna's was easier because so much of it was synth, and so much of it is like, um, I'm doing this with my hand, you can't see. So much of it is like keyboarding to do string sounds. With the Dax thing, I had to play a lot of guitar solos and stuff. And so I, I get crazy. I get insane about details i'm not an organized person i'm not a detail-oriented person but when it comes to music i am so i will obsess and obsess and i gotta step away because i'll just keep going and um it's my favorite thing in the world to do i'd say is to make music my favorite thing is it something where do you do you put together like a few different or just like maybe pieces of a few different songs and kind of get a feel for like what is and isn't working or is it something where you kind of get an idea and you kind of just you just kind of go all in on it and, and it's kind of a process for one song or is there, is there a collaboration there also with the wrestlers of them giving you feedback as to like, I feel this for my character, but not that kind of stuff too. Both Deanna and um, FTR had a lot of feedback into different versions of the songs. So, and I don't mind because the idea is I'm giving you a song that you're walking out to for a long time, maybe a little less for some people, but, um, uh, and that is a very involved process. Oh, I like this here. I like that there. You know, Deanna's like, hey, this sounds like a Zelda theme song. I don't like it. And so I looked back at an old email, and she said, I liked my old WWE theme. And I'm like, man, I need to listen better, man. I need to, like, pay attention. I went back, listened to WWE theme, and saw the things that was in that that mine was missing. As far as writing itself, I get the idea, and I go with it. Inspiration is easy. We all have ideas. I teach this all the time, by the way. Inspiration is easy. We all have ideas. It's the crafting. The crafting is the work. You know, like the melody in Deanna's theme is uh, Matthew was there when I just came up. It was like, ba da 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 da. That's the theme. Now, how do you build on it? How do you make it compelling? How do you make a part two to it? How do you do all these things to grow it into a song? That's the fun part because we all have ideas. We can all have a melody. We can all create a melody. But coming up with like the full crafting song idea is is a uh, very fun and very rewarding matt last thing before we let you go here i know you're not in your studio your professional setup that fans can see on watchwithdax.com uh, um it's watchdax.com i apologize let me get the, the youtube correct the correct link there right. it'll be correct in the description uh the usual setup there but we ask every guest what's the coolest thing in the room you're in right now if you well, can go pick great, it up okay. and get it for us if you're able to. I'll, yeah, I'll get this. I love this Charlie Chaplin statue right here. It's oh. a music box. And I've had it on my mantle here at Mako Music for like 10 years. And I started, I made it, we have kids who go to camps here and they go to every camp. And I'm like, I wonder if I buy a second one if they'll notice. And I put a second one on the mantle and nobody noticed it. So then I bought a third one at eBay. This is an old music box. And... And nobody noticed. It was the most hilarious thing. Me and a student of mine, we just laugh. We're like, is anybody going to notice? But this Charlie Chaplin statue, I don't know if you guys like Charlie Chaplin. He was, Modern Times was worth a watch. It plays this song called Smile. 
And Smile is a song that he wrote for the movie Modern Times. And it's got this melody. And 30 years later, these songwriters put lyrics to it. And Nat King Cole wrote, uh, sang the lyrics, and that's the song that appeared in the Joker movie, the song Smile, which is smile if you're feeling lonely, smile. Da, 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 da. And it came from Charlie Chaplin making a movie by himself, acting it, directing it, doing all the stunts, and also writing the damn music. So it's my Charlie Chaplin st statue. I told you I could talk a lot about myself, Jeremy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're That's fine. Awesome. It is. That, that is that is why we do this show. We like learning about people that are in this space with us. So I appreciate you joining us. Uh, yes, fantastic absolutely. story to close with uh, the Charlie Chaplin music box. Matt, let everybody know where they can find you at. Well, it's FTR with Dax Harwood, the most talked about. I'd say the biggest podcast launch in a long time, the most talked about wrestling podcast these days. And the reason why people like Dax get to know him. He's not what you think if you think badly of him. And of course, that drops now every Wednesday. It used to be Thursdays, but every Wednesday, you can watch it on YouTube, FTRWatchDax.com. And also, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Matt Coon Music. And that's pretty much it. Nothing else to promote. Um, if you're in WBE and you want a wrestling theme, I guess you can give me a call and I'll make one. But other than that, <laughs> it's just uh, FTR with Dax Harwood and uh, Matt Coon Music on Twitter and uh, I would just say be good to each other, be nice to each other, and that's my plug. I I will say this. I'll put over the Dax Hardwood podcast again because legitimately I spend a lot of my days, the majority of my days, listening to wrestling podcasts, wrestling interviews with everybody and, and anyone in the world of wrestling. And if I did not do that for a living, I would still listen to this podcast, assuming I'm a wrestling fan still in this world. Uh, I would still listen to this podcast because Dax is so insightful. He's so unafraid and you do such a good job of steering the conversation, the research you do, the the way you're, the, the things you're able to get out of him. I love you guys. just, you review tequila as well. That's one of my favorite segments on the show. Uh, so I, I love when you guys do that. It's very, it's a down to earth podcast and Dax comes off as so genuine, just sound, seems like the nice person in the world. And yes, you might have an opinion on him based on what he may tweet or other interviews, or I, I will say this. If you read the articles, you might get a certain opinion about him. Listen to the show for yourself. Please listen to it for yourself. You'll come away. Whatever your opinion is, it'll either validate it, or if you have a bad opinion about things, I promise it'll be turned around in some way, and you'll at least see his side of things. So everyone should listen to this podcast because it is fantastic. And Matt, you are half of that. So uh, uh, credit to you for, for pulling all of that out of him. Again, one of my favorite podcasts well, to listen to. I can't thank you enough for having me on. Me and Jeremy have been talking about this for like six months, like getting me yeah. on the show and <laughs> It's just my schedule on his nights is really tough. Steve, it's good to finally meet you. Yes. Big supporter of Fightful. Love everybody at Fightful. And big fan of you, Jeremy. And I'm glad you're feeling better. I hope you're Thank doing you. good. And anything you ever need, you give me a holler because I'm a big Jeremy Lambert fan as well. I appreciate that. I'm going to be at WrestleCade this year. Brian Danielson is going to be there. And I'm going to pitch my entire podcast to him. And we're going to make that happen. So I'm going to be there, though, to hang out. With, with all the pals, including you and Cass and Sean yes. and everybody else who is going to be there. Guys, thank you for joining us here on the Creator Spotlight. And we'll be right back here on the Spotlight.